Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbach. Hey, what up? And Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. What up, folks? And today, we are going through free agency bonanza. Yeah, I needed that. That. <laughs> commercial voice there i was gonna say what am i winning in this giveaway <laughs> but nanza 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 if you're new to the show uh we are a fairly new show we just started recording this year uh but we've all played fantasy football for many 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 years so we hope to give you some good insight opinions and a little bit of entertainment on the way or along the way um and today we're going through free agency, which has been wild. Been wild this offseason so far. A lot of ups and downs for a lot of different fans around the uh, around the league. And a ton of fantasy implications with all the changes that have happened so far. It's all ups over here in Vegas, baby. I bet it is. Yeah. <laughs> and as a Packers owner, I'm still a little... Uh, a little hurt, but you know what? We'll get through it together as owners hey, because one man's we actually own our team. It's another man's pleasure. <laughs> um, and we don't, you know, Tyler doesn't even want to talk about the Seahawks right now. So, um, no, we'll get there next week. <laughs> yeah, that's that's still painful. Uh, but we are going to talk about all the AFC teams this episode, and with all their free agency acquisitions, trades, and all that. So far, and then next week, we're going to go through the NFC. Obviously, there's still some notable free agents out there that will probably be signed in the near future or have something along those lines, um, at least some rumors by next week. So we'll cover those guys as well, and we'll touch on them here at the end of this episode. Uh, but for now, let's start with the AFC. And by the way, if you haven't already, you can find us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Uh, we post all our shows there. Um, we like to interact with the fantasy football community, which is a, a great community on the Twitter. Probably one of the coolest communities on the Twitter because outside of that, it gets a little, little wild out there in the wild, wild west. But yeah, I was gonna say even if you aren't on Twitter because you've been driven away by how toxic the community can be. Fantasy, the fantasy football community on Twitter is pretty nice. And now's the time to get on Twitter if you're trying to get fantasy football news because from here on out, being connected on Twitter is going to be the way that you get your news the fastest. And if you follow us, we'll help you find that news in the fastest way. Yes, sir. Um, let's start with the AFC East and the Buffalo Bills, who are Super Bowl favorites right now, um, according to all the books. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, they've been making some moves. Obviously, a good squad with a franchise quarterback. Um, you know, arguably the number one quarterback for fantasy next year. He is my number one quarterback. I don't know about you guys, uh, but let's start with some of their free agency acquisitions here. Uh, Jameson Crowder signing a one-year deal worth up to four million uh, because they did release Cole Beasley, so they're looking for a replacement there. Um, 
you guys want me to just run through all the acquisitions and then you can kind of talk about them or we can talk about them. Okay. Uh, running back Duke Johnson, they also signed. Duke is back, baby. Signing a one-year contract. Um, wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie is re-signing on a two-year deal worth $8 million. And tight end O.J. Howard signed a one-year deal, which, okay, let's start here. Where, like, which, and obviously they lost McKissick. He went back to Washington for, who knows, probably family reasons and has a house and all that. But I can't imagine it was football reasons because I don't know why you'd rather play for the Washington football commanders than the Buffalo Bills. But um, who do you guys like out of these signings? And what do you? How do you think these signings impact this offense for free agency purposes? I think it's pretty interesting that if Jamison Crowder is filling that Cole Beasley role, that that's a lot of points to be picking up if he is going to be filling that role. Um, well, not really a lot, but a decent amount for a slot receiver. Cole Beasley produced pretty well last year. So, yeah, I mean, if, if the usage in the slot remains the same, Jamison Crowder is set up to be a pretty decent PPR guy. But with the emergence of Gabriel Davis, it makes me a little iffy on it. But if he's going to take over the same role that Cole Beasley had, I'm definitely a little bit interested in Jamison Crowder. I'm not really sure what to make of the receiver situation. You, It's kind of crowded now. I mean, you have Gabriel Davis. Obviously, you have... Um, no, obviously Gabriel Davis is there already. He said he said Gabriel Davis. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just saying you said it was crowded, and I was like, oh, you mean it's crowded? Oh, oh it's okay. Crowder? He's trying to throw a pun in there. That went way over my head. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, but you know, you have Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and then Emmanuel Sanders is still there, also. So you just re-signed Isaiah McKenzie. I said that right? Yeah, McKenzie, and then you bring in in Crowder. So there's a lot of people here that could all do a little something. It's going to be a new offense for Crowder, so he's you know behind the eight ball in terms of the rest of the guys. So not sure that way. But the one that intrigues me the most is actually O.J. Howard. Yeah, me too, and because I like Dawson Knox. That's, you know, what kind of – because if O.J. Howard's able to take four touchdowns away from Dawson Knox, who was kind of touchdown dependent um, before his injury last year, that kind of worries me for the outlook for Dawson Knox. I don't think O.J. Howard completely – I mean, he signed a one-year deal. It seems like a prove-it kind of deal, right, I mean, and some and a depth signing more than anything. Yeah, it for sure is. It's just I think you're going to see a lot more two tight end sets is what this is going to come down to, though. Um, O.J. Howard is super talented. Like He has like the athletic ability to be great. Um, he hasn't shown it in terms of production. But we know that you know he, I mean, he blew up his stock when he went to – through the combine you know, a few years back when he became a first-round draft pick. So – he has a lot of ability. We'll see if he can translate that into into production with this this team. But I agree with you with Dawson Knox. Like it's a little worrisome that you're not gonna have any viable tight end in this offense now. Yeah, we were hoping for another, you know, tight end that you can actually rely on uh out of Knox, but yeah, OJ Howard wants to muddy those waters, so It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Dawson Knox could still be a late round tight end that produces, you know, tight end one numbers for you throughout the season, but OJ Howard is going to be there and probably going to vulture some touchdowns away. Um, what about the running backs? Duke Johnson in town now. 
I've been avoiding the running back situation in Buffalo for a number of years. Um, do you guys have any intrigue there, or you know, do you take Devin Singletary off your list now because he was kind of the only game in town, and now Duke Johnson's in town? So, are you guys intrigued by the running backs there, or is it still an avoiding backfield? Well, I mean, we got. Taiwan Jones, fourth string out of Eastern back He's still there, in the creeping league. on and somehow, yeah, boy, getting your money, Taiwan. That's that's what's up, man. Back to the real stuff. Um, if you guys could refresh my memory, Duke Johnson, um, he had a string of good games towards the end of the year for the Dolphins, right? But before that, just completely non-existent. So Duke Johnson, um. It, He's still just a shell of his former self, I think, fantasy-wise. I'm not really too intimidated by Duke Johnson being back there. And with Zach Moss still being in the fold, I, I honestly just feel the same about Devin Singletary as I did last year. Yeah, uh, me too. Borderline RB1, but not really. Uh, it's not even an RB1 for me. It's like RB3, <laughs> maybe. Like, I don't know. I just don't. I have no faith. You know what I mean? Like, at this point, he's had plenty of opportunity to – you know, take the reins and, and be the guy. And it's just, it's not going to happen. And clearly they're signing Duke Johnson to a one-year deal. Like, so I don't think they have total faith in Devin either. Yeah. I mean this, the Duke Johnson, he earned himself some money after you know the good play down the stretch last season, but Singletary is still the only guy worth taking in the draft at any point. Um, He's interesting, though, because he ended the year on that five-game run where he was yeah. really good. I mean, I think he was a top-five back for fantasy you know, in that in that stretch. So I want, I don't know that it's going to carry over to next season. It seemed like something clicked within him and the offense probably. So we'll see what happens that way. Um, but, yeah, it's Singletary or Bust in the backfield. Yeah, Josh Allen's probably still their RB1. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, quarterback Teddy Bridgewater signed a one-year, $6.5 million fully guaranteed deal that's worth up to $10 million with incentives. They also signed running back Chase Edmonds to a two-year, $12.6 million contract that includes $6.1 million guaranteed. They also signed running back Raheem Mostert uh, to a one-year deal for $3.125 million. They signed wide receiver Preston Williams or re-signed Preston Williams on a one-year deal worth uh, $1.99 million. And Cedric Wilson, they signed to a three-year $22.8 million deal that includes twelve point seven five fully guaranteed. And tight end Mike Gesicki was franchised. So what do we like um, out of their signings? I know Chase Edmonds' hype was pretty real until they signed Raheem Mostert. Obviously, um, Mike, uh, gosh, Mike McDaniel. McDaniel, there we go. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why I wanted to say McDonald, but <laughs> Mike McDaniel, um, you know, obviously coming from the Shanahan run scheme, signed one of Shanahan's running backs. Does this muddy up Chase Edmonds? How do you think this backfield plays out? Is it Chase Edmonds on first and second, Raheem on thirds, or vice versa? Um, well, you know, history tells us Raheem Mostert's getting hurt week one. And so you'll have Chase Edmonds the rest of the way. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. You would think that 
Mostert has probably the leg up to begin with because he knows the offense. But, I mean, his injury history is scary. I wouldn't waste much, you know, draft stock on him by any means. And with that being said, I'm really big on Chase Edmonds this year. We all know how Mike McDaniels is a run game genius. And um, with him signing Mostert just to add a little bit of depth to the backfield, I'm confident in this run game. I uh, We talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago. I think this, this run game is going to become one of the undeniable run games that we talked about like all season last year where there was like three or four teams where like you could put anybody back there, they're going to produce. At fullback, he signed Alec Ingold from the Raiders, someone I know a lot about from being a big Raiders fan, and he is a great run blocker. All those yards that Josh Jacobs got is most likely because of Alec Ingold. He's, he was always out there uh, fullback leading the way for him. And McDaniels is a running game genius. So I think Chase Edmonds has the best chance to really just emerge this year. I'm I'm really, yeah. really hype on Chase Edmonds. It kind of scares me how much I'm hype on him. Well, I mean, they obviously really like him. They went and got him day one. Um, I don't even think it was officially like free agency was open, but it, they could they could talk and negotiate or whatever. Uh, and they were all over him. So, I mean, obviously he's going to be the dude, and they're going to see if Raheem Mostert's got any gas left in the tank, if he can stay healthy. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, Trey. I, I, you know, I think they're going to run the ball and, and I think that's a priority for them or was a priority for them coming into this free agency is to improve their run game. You know, I have to say, I don't understand all this like hype behind Mostert. He's, we're basically banking on him showing a little bit of flash one season. He played one year, 16 games. Even then he only had 157 fantasy points. Yeah. And then the next year he had 90 points in eight games. Like he hasn't proven to be anything like significant or even great. He shows little flashes in a game and people are expecting that to happen over the course of the season. At least Chase Edmonds has some substance behind what he's shown. Right. Yeah. I think it's just the explosiveness explosiveness and the speed that Raheem Mostert, you know, showed or put on display. But obviously it's been short lived. Chase Edmonds has that explosiveness and speed and doesn't get injured. <laughs> he isn't he isn't the most hurt like most hurt. Yeah. But I mean even behind those guys, right? Like they kept Miles Gaskin. They also have Philip Lindsay and Malcolm Brown. You're going pretty deep down the depth chart for guys that would be two backs on other teams. So McDaniel's obviously investing in this run game. It's just a matter of who's gonna be the guy. Just like when you're um last year if you're trying to run with the 49ers run game, like who's gonna be back there? Because I'm gonna start him. And I think that's how the Dolphins are gonna be. Yeah, and Cedric Wilson signed, you know, a pretty healthy contract uh, for his liking. You know, do you guys think there's any uh, validity in that signing? Do you think Cedric Wilson has any fantasy value going into next season? Only if Devontae Parker gets hurt. That's how I feel about it, because they saw Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Jalen Waddle. I think Will Fuller's is he unrestricted free agent though right yeah, now? Yeah, Wolf or Fuller's okay. on the market. So it seems like they might not bring him back. If they don't bring him back, Cedric Wilson's kind of interesting. But at that point, he's number four on the receiving game for me. You got Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, and then Mike Jasicki in front of him. And possibly Chase Edmonds, who's a pretty good pass catcher. So um, at that point, that puts him pretty far down the list. But with, with yeah. bringing up Mike Jasicki, I, I really expect him to take a step forward. And he has potential to break in the top five and kind of even out that plateau after the top tier of receivers if he just scores some damn touchdowns. That's all he needs to do, really. Right, getting in the end zone. He's a freak uh, athlete. We know that. And 
We've seen him make some big plays. Um, he has all the capability. It's just there's got to be a connection there from Tua, and he's got to get in the end zone, right? So Tua has to step up uh, this year. Otherwise, it may be time to move on. Uh, let's move on to the New England Patriots. Running back James White re-signed on a two-year, $5 million deal. That includes 500000 guaranteed. Um, not a lot of guaranteed money there and only one signing so far. And it was a re-sign from the new England Patriots after last year where they went all in on free agency. So it looks like they're taking a different approach this year. Um, so not a lot changing in the scope of things for the new England Patriots. You guys want to touch on them at all or move on? Damian Harris and Ramondre is still there, man. James White's not really on my radar right now. Yeah. Uh, the New York Jets uh, running back Tevin Coleman was re-signed on a one-year, $1.5 million deal, 650 guaranteed, uh, and it has a max value of $2.3 million guaranteed. They also re-signed Braxton Berrios, the wide receiver, on a two-year, $12 million contract. Pretty good payday there for Braxton. After showing some flashes last year, uh, they signed Tyler Conklin, the tight end, um, signed a free agent deal. No details on that one. <laughs> uh, and they also signed uh, CJ Uzama, uh, signed a three-year deal worth $24 million. Um, Josh Wolf. Uh, at Wolf on Sports on Twitter said this pair of tight ends are his favorite signings so far. Shout out to Josh Wolf interacting with us on Twitter. Like James was saying earlier, follow us on Twitter, and um, there's a chance we'll shout you out on this these episodes here if you interact with us. I think it is. I think Josh brings up a good point. These this is interesting, right? They they went out and signed some guys that made some plays last year on their respective teams. And they're obviously looking for some big body, easy to throw to targets for the young quarterback in Zach Wilson. Um, I'm I'm kind of in the I, I'm in agreement with Josh on this. Like this is interesting, but who's it going to be? Is it going to be Conklin or is it going to be CJ? You know that produces fantasy value. I think that's the big question mark. Obviously, they're going to try to target the tight end position, but. Who's actually going to give you value from a fantasy perspective? Well, it'd be nice to know Conklin's um, contract details because that would kind of let us know what the Jets think. Because if they gave Uzama three years, twenty-four million, that's, that's a pretty a decent, pretty good tight end contract. Yeah, that's how I felt about Yanni Smith with the Patriots until I found out about them signing Hunter Henry, and I was like, okay, you got two guys on big contracts. So it looks like uh, Irby just picked it up here. Oh wow, see. Tyler Conklin signed to a three-year, $21 million contract, according to multiple reports. So they have very similar contracts, and that's going to throw a little wrench in my gears, what I was going to say. But if I was a betting man, it'd be Ozama for me. He has a, a way higher ceiling. Um, I mean, honestly, those contracts definitely makes you think that they're going 50-50 here with what they're going to do. Um, I think you can see a lot, of, like, like in Buffalo, I think you'll see a lot of more two tight end sets. And so you're going to, in terms of, you know, viable fantasy starter, I don't think you can go with either one. I think they're going to end up just, you know, tearing each other apart in terms of production. You're, you're banking on who gets the touchdown week to week, right? I mean, that's 
that's what you, that's the guessing game you're going to have to play every single week uh with these guys and that that's not a fun game to play but a lot of you know that's basically the tight end position overall if you don't get uh some of the elite guys out there so there there is some upside um especially if one of them emerges as kind of their go-to red zone tight end but um we're going to have to see how that plays out through training camp and uh, throughout the off season and try to get some more insight on kind of their offensive scheme. Cause obviously they're, they're changing things up a bit, uh, which is good. I think Zach Wilson, and I said it at the beginning of last year still has potential. And I know it wasn't a great year, but he played for the jets and they were not a very good offense overall. So I still think there's potential there. Um, and I'm interested to see how that one plays out. But let's move on to the AFC North. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals uh, replacing CJ with tight end Hayden Hurst. Signed a one-year contract. Um, so it's a one-year prove-it deal for Hayden Hurst. Uh, but who else do they have at tight end? I don't believe anybody. Uh, yeah, no one worth mentioning. Yeah, so obviously they're trying to fill a void there. Um, Hayden Hurst, you know throughout the years has shown promise in Atlanta, uh, then went to Cleveland, didn't do much. Do you think there this is a you know, a situation where he feels where he, he gets back to, you know, doing what he kinda did in Atlanta with Matt Ryan, now that he has a, a solid quarterback throwing the rock back there? I'm not sure what to think about Hayden Hurst. I mean I, I liked what he was doing on the Ravens. He was pretty far down the depth chart, but when he did get the ball, he produced um, pretty well. Looked really good on film. The Falcons was a little disappointing uh, during his tenure there, but I think he has a lot left in the tank, and he definitely has shown the skill set to be a viable starting fantasy tight end if he gets the usage. It's just a matter of him being fourth or fifth down the list at this point as far as targets because he'd be either on par with Joe Mixon or below him is what I'm thinking. So, mm, I'll be honest, though. I do like Hayden Hurst at tight end for the Bengals more than I liked Uzama at tight end for the Bengals at this point last year. Hurst has more potential and I think is a little bit higher ceiling within the way that they run their offense. And I think he he will probably end up with more yards than Uzama had. I mean, how much did Uzama have last year? Uh, He was in and out with injury. Um. So no, 493 he, yards in 16 games, five touchdowns. Okay, I was like, I don't know what the five is, but <laughs> five something. Yeah, so pretty good production. I think Hurst could do. Uh, he could push seven or eight. I I would agree. With you. I think he does have a higher ceiling, but with the other pass catchers, I think you're going to see basically the exact same production out of Hurst as we saw from Uzama last year. And it has nothing to do with talent. It's strictly because like the guy, other guys on the field that are, you know, catching the balls are really fucking good. So like, there's yeah, I'd rather throw to him than I would a tight end who you know isn't gonna be able to break down the field like the other guys can. I think the real question is, can Hayden Hurst run block? I assume he can because he was on the Ravens. Yeah, he can. Okay, so yeah, if he can do that, I mean, this guy he's a three down player. So, I mean, more opportunities for him. But Uzama was also a three-down tight end also. So, I, I see where you're coming. It could be similar results. I'd add 100, 200 yards to that for show. 
I think the biggest thing for this team so far, they've obviously been trying to fix the offensive line. Uh, they picked up uh, Lil Collins, the right yeah. tackle. That's a, that's uh, a big Cowboy, pickup. From the Cowboys. That's a very big pickup. Lyle Collins is, is a very good tackle. That's huge. Um, and... No pun intended, because he's fucking huge. <laughs> we said it coming into the season last year that offensive line was going to be the weakness on this team and hold them back, uh, which, you know, obviously they made it to the Super Bowl, but nine sacks in, what, the AFC, was that the championship game? Or that was against the Titans. Yeah, it was the division game. And then I think they gave up, like, seven in the Super Bowl or something like that. Um, so obviously that's been a huge weakness. Lil Collins should help that tremendously. Um, I think they also picked up Ryan Jensen, um, from Tampa Bay, the center. So that's a huge pickup as well. Um, cause he's, he was a stud for Tampa Bay, um, there at the center position. They didn't grab him. No, he resigned in Tampa. Oh, did he? After Brady came back? Uh, Sucks for the Bengals. I mean, but according to this, they brought in three new starters on the offensive line from the center to the right tackle, all right side of the line. So they're definitely investing in the team, and we saw what they could do for the passing game and the run game. It's just a matter of can they, can they protect. And if that team continues to progress, I mean, this is going to be a fantasy wonderland. Yeah, if they can get some dudes there at the offensive line, I mean, geez, they're going they, they to. They got Alex Kappa, the oh, right that's guard. Right. That, he, okay. He's the one who came from Tampa. Alex Kappa, which he's still there. Um, I thought there was one more. Um, whatever. There was a big one. Either way, all we know from fantasy-wise is they're improving their offensive line from what we can tell. You know, we're fantasy football guys. We don't know the offensive linemen names. I mean, we do on the teams we like, but not the fucking Bengals <laughs> or the Bucks. I mean, come on now. Uh, Fred Johnson, but they just waived him. Uh, less than an hour after they announced they had signed him to a one-year deal, they released him <laughs> or waived him. So how you get fired on your day hired? <laughs> like, <laughs> what does this do? Back the company truck through the door? Yeah. God damn! But they've they've added Alex Kappa, um, setter Ted Karras, and offensive tackle Lael Collins. So. They're making some moves, which is good. Um, good news for Mixon, good news for uh, Joey Burrow, and good news for the receivers. Good news for fantasy. Uh, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns. Finally, our first like big news of this free yeah. agency. The hot, hot topic right now. Obviously, is quarterback Deshaun Watson, and I know there's a lot of feelings and emotions swirling around on this topic and um we're just reporting on it right um obviously there's a bunch of legality and civil issues that need to be worked out and and whether or not um um you approve of the browns you know signing a guy to that much guaranteed money that has all these allegations surrounding him you know Unfortunately, that's just how the NFL works. We knew as soon as um, the criminal charges were negated um, that a lot of teams would be circling the waters trying to sign Deshaun Watson, and the Cleveland Browns went all in. Um, 
So uh, acquired in a trade um, along with a 2024 six-round pick in exchange for three first-round picks, 22 through 24, a third-rounder in 23, and two fourth-rounders in 22 and 24. Uh, Watson will receive a fully guaranteed five-year, $230 million contract from Cleveland. I mean, that is wild. It's the most guaranteed money ever in the NFL. Ever. It's not even close. So, I mean, they are going all in. And as you know, James said, we're just kind of reporting on this. I know the three of us are pretty much in concurrence, so we're pretty sure, regardless of what happens with, this, with the rest of the civil suits, um, he's probably being suspended for a minimum of six games. There, I wouldn't be surprised if you see something like, like a full season suspension, though. Yeah, it's it's certainly possible, right? Um, at least six games, um, but it could be more. That's why they also signed quarterback Jac- uh, Jacoby Brissett to a one-year, four point six five million dollar contract, including four point five million guaranteed. Um, assuming Brissett will be the fill-in for Watson um, for whatever length of suspension that he has. Now, where does that leave their other big signing, wide receiver Amari Cooper? He was acquired in a trade with the Dallas Cowboys in exchange for a 2022 fifth-round draft pick and a swap of six-rounders. Um, you know, Amari Cooper is receiving a lot of hype right now um, because he's going to be associated with the quarterback that when the last time he did play was elite um, in terms of capability. But, again... We don't know how long Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for. So, you know, and I guess I'm not sure when we're going to get news on the suspension and how long it is. That could go all the way up until the season, really, Um, the beginning of the season. So right now, you know, be careful with signing Amari Cooper in a redraft league when – you know, the quarterback situation is pretty iffy because Watson, it's a big drop off from percent, you know, Watson to percent. So I'm just going to bring in a little rain cloud here, a bunch of negativity, but I'm pretty sure I'll be right about all this. This is where Mark Cooper went to retire. He's not going to be playing very good football for him. He wasn't playing good football for the Cowboys consistently. He was playing great football inconsistently. <laughs> if you see what I'm saying, he just disappeared a lot of the time. Um, and the the Sean Watson signing to me, it just has red flags all over it with like all the guaranteed money, him being out of the league for a year. We talked about this before we started the podcast. You guys definitely don't agree with me, but it really feels very Cleveland Brownish for them to give all this money to someone with so much uncertainty in their future. Things could totally go just completely sideways on him. Like, we don't really know what's going to happen. And you have all this guaranteed money in there. You got the big name Amari Cooper. I don't expect anything from neither of these guys until I see it. Like, I just, I really don't. Obviously, we talked about the the suspension for this year. But even looking forward to next year, let's just say Watson and Cooper are still there and they're going to play. I'm not hype on them. So you wouldn't be, would you guys be comfortable with Amari Cooper as your wide receiver too going into next year in a, redraft league actually i would because as of right now he's by far the receiver number one there um right and i know he's been inconsistent but like he did produce when he was in oakland so he did do that 
the emergence of CD Lamb, I think you know, changed the way the offense ran in, in Dallas. So I'd still I'd be okay with him as as my uh, receiver too. But to uh, Trey's point, the Browns kind of agree with you when they they restructured his deal after making this trade, making most of his twenty million dollars he's making this year into a signing bonus and adding two void years to his contract. So essentially, they're off the hook like after this season in case it doesn't work out with Amari Cooper. Yeah. It's almost like a big prove it contract. It's kind of weird how they built it. Um, but again, he's you know dealt with injury and you know in and out of games and sometimes just doesn't show up to Trey's point. So the other crazy thing, like they did the same thing with Deshaun Watson's extension. So this year alone, between the two of them, they will be making sixty six million dollars in cash, but only fifteen million of that is against the cap. Wow, that is wizardry by their GM. Yeah, that's. Yo, here's the icing on the cake for Amari Cooper, okay? Grew up in Florida playing ball. Played college at Alabama. Played in Oakland. Played in Dallas. Never played for a team that's been above the Midwest in his entire career. Now he's in Cleveland, one of the most depressing cities in America. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, dude, I'm, I'm from the Midwest. I'm just telling you, these big mid- Midwestern cities, they can be fun, but it's a depressing landscape. Like, And it's, it's so cold. And if you're not used to stuff like that, it can, like, I don't know. I've just been watching a lot of podcasts of players, and, like, the cold can really break some people's spirits if they're not really about playing football in that kind of weather. Yeah. It, it is a mental thing that you have to get over, right? I mean. That's a really good point. I mean, he's only played in, like, fair weather in, cities. Yeah. Um, outside, like, heavy rain in Florida and Alabama. Yeah. But, like, that's not cold. That's not, like, you know negative 10 degree with wind chill that you'll get in Cleveland yeah and you know as we all know and everyone knows that's played football in cold weather it changes the game it changes the game it hurts it's it's something you have to get over right mentally and it can definitely affect someone that's literally never played in cold weather like that's cold weather make you kind of want to disappear from a game which is kind of his mo (laughs) Right, I, 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 it's the last thing I'll say about it. If you're not happy in Oakland, what makes you think you're gonna be happy in Cleveland, with with a, a franchise that's maybe a, a a a little bit further ahead where Oakland was? Like the the Browns are flirting with the playoffs, but everyone's joking themselves, man. It's not a reality. It's like it's he has no hopes of winning a Super Bowl this year or even next year. I don't see what his motivation is. I don't know. I'm getting too much inside of his brain. I just really I'm not about him. <laughs> it's the money for sure is probably the biggest contract he was offered and well he was traded guys he didn't have a choice oh, yeah, in traded <laughs> but yeah that's true um wide receiver jakeem grant was also signed to a three-year deal worth up to 13.8 million a little speedster um and they also franchise tagged david dejoku who was kind of a big name coming in this year at the tight end for free agents thinking, you know, where's some nice spots that he could land, and then they franchise-tagged him. So are we are we expecting pretty much the same thing from David Njoku this year as years past? If Brissett's starting all year, I think Njoku is someone worth looking at. But if it's anybody else at quarterback, I, I mean, Njoku, it's really the last two years he's been kind of hyped up preseason for tight end. And it's never came to fruition. So I, I really got to see the usage. And I know Joby, Jacoby Brissett will throw the ball to him, but I just don't know if um, 
the way their offense is set up. And if Deshaun Watson's playing or because Baker Mayfield's never going to play for him again, right? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, he wasn't throwing him the ball anyways. So, um, unless it's Brissett, I'm not interested in, in Joku at all right now. And Joko is kind of my sleeper tight end coming into this season. Oh, so I mean, obviously he's been hyped for for a while now. And that's because he was a top ten tight end back in 2018. So like we saw his flashes, they were expecting bigger things. But right after that happened, they also went and signed Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper is no longer on this team. He he was a free agent, signed elsewhere. So now Njoku is the clear number one tight end here. So he's kind of my sleeper right now. Um, and I kind I like the, the Jacoby Brissett. Thing if you know he's the one playing, and then I think that actually elevates Njoku. But even if he's not, Deshaun Watson's going to get the ball to the playmakers, and Njoku's a playmaker when he gets the chance. So he's my sleeper right now. Yeah, the ability's there, like you said. I mean, um, we've all seen it in in short flashes, but uh, the consistency has lacked. Hopefully, you know, playing under the franchise tag doesn't. Um, incentivize him to maybe take things easy like don't want to get hurt right you, you want to make sure you're available for a big contract next year obviously you got to prove it but still at the same time playing under the franchise tag is something again that affects the mental uh of these players right you know the, the only thing on their mind is don't get hurt right they want to produce as well but don't get hurt <laughs> Yeah, but you also see a lot of guys have their best years under the franchise tag because they know this is their True. chance to make money. Yeah, like they ha- they have this year to show that like, hey, I'm the dude, so they can get a big long term contract. Then they retire, you know, and then they're good to go after that after the <laughs> yeah. big contract. That's a great point. I think Njoku is gonna try his hardest this year to get his money and get the fuck out of Cleveland. <laughs> He's got to show out, man, and it's his time. And with him being franchise tag, I bet you he's not even really that mad about it because his production through his career so far, he's getting a good amount of money probably. You know, the average of the top five tight ends contracts, right? Is that how franchise works? Yep. Yeah, so um, he's on a top five tight end. So he's making top five tight end money uh, basically to prove himself. Yeah. So it's not really not that bad of a situation for him. Uh, moving on, the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to make some moves at quarterback. Uh, Dwayne Haskins was signed, um, original round restricted free agent tender worth $2.54 million. They also, as we all know at this point, picked up quarterback Mitchell Trubisky on a two year, $14.25 million deal. That's worth up to $27 million with incentives. So it's looking like Mitchell's the guy going into next year. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, how do you guys feel about that? Welcome to Mitchburg, baby. <laughs> a couple other shows beat me to it, but I swear I thought of it first. The instant I saw that notification, I'm like, oh man, now, now it's not Pittsburgh, it's Mitchburg. Like it's there's probably shirts and shit already, burgers and dogs, whatever they do in Pittsburgh. <laughs> but uh over there on the East Coast. But I it's definitely a step up from where they were at with with Dwayne Haskins, right? Or Mason Rudolph. Yeah. I mean, I had Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, that's just abysmal. Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, let's just take the absolute floor of Ben Roethlisberger last year. You still have guys like Deontay Johnson going off. Pat Fryermuth had a great rookie season and scored a lot of touchdowns. Didn't get that many yards, though. But, I mean, you got guys emerging. And if you get elevated quarterback play, they're just going to be even better. 
Najee Harris was amazing. One of the, like, the most touches is running backs while being productive at the same time. I think it only elevates the Steelers, even if it's just a little bit. It's definitely going to help them. It's certainly one of the more intriguing prospects in terms of, you know, uh, fancy play and just, you know, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. He did one of those those kind of like that redshirt year that you see a lot of guys doing now where he was in a crappy situation in Chicago where his head coach didn't even want to draft him. The The GM made that decision to, to move forward, give up a ton of picks to move forward, you know, three spots to pick up Trubisky. And Matt Nagy didn't even want him. That wasn't the quarterback he wanted. Right. And so he never wanted to coach him. Like he never gave him great coaching. He would rather have just sat him and let. That's why they, you know, went out and got uh, Dalton last year and um, and Nick Foles. So he has that one year where he sits on the bench, is behind Josh Allen, who's an absolute superstar, and kind of learn from him and learn how to be a real pro instead of just being thrown to the wolves like he was in Chicago. Yeah, and so. It's super intriguing. He could be good. He's shown a lot of talent. He has flashes, and he has some running ability, too. Right. So he's an athlete, and he has a cannon of an arm, too. So, like, he has the ability to be a good quarterback in, in the league and maybe potentially become a fancy, a decent fancy starter for you, too. So who knows? I don't know what happens, but it's something to keep your eye on for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think... Like for me, as someone who was big on Deontay Johnson, always has been, um, it was a little worrisome, you know, like, is it really going to be Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins throwing him the ball next year? Now that Mitchell's there, there's a little bit of relief there. I'm not totally sold on Mitchell Trubisky. Like, you, you know, I don't think anyone is, but, you know, the industry is seeing the potential. And I think, like, you brought up a good point, Tyler getting a year to where, you know, he doesn't have a ton of pressure on him and he gets to sit behind uh, one of the elite quarterbacks in the league and see how a true quarterback and true offense operates in the NFL and just what their day-to-day is and, and how they, you know, continue to improve. I think that's huge. I think it was huge for Mitchell Trubisky. Hopefully he learned a lot and, you know, um took a lot of value from that from that year and can take it over to Pittsburgh and, and the staff coaches him up and continues to improve his game. Not to mention, he did just sign with one of the most, if not the most stable organization in the entire NFL. Yeah. I mean, the Roonies have ran this team to a, almost perfection. I mean, they've been a relevant franchise for, you know, 70 years with you know very little drop-off in between. Right. And he's going to just guys that know how to play the game and play the game correctly. There's no, like, drama. Like, do you ever hear drama in Pittsburgh, except for uh, Chase Claypool doing some stupid shit last year? But other than that, like, there's never drama out of Pittsburgh. He's going to be great. Yeah. I would like to introduce to you Antonio Brown. (laughs) Well, Antonio didn't get nuts until he actually left Pittsburgh. I mean, it it started a little bit, but Pittsburgh was like, all right, deuces, out of here. Yeah. We, We don't play that shit. They built him up. Yeah, he was nuts. They just kept that shit under the rug like a good franchise would. So I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, Mike Tomlin doesn't fuck around, man. Like, he he handles his business. And if Mike Tomlin is willing to back Mitchell Trubisky, I'm willing to, you know, follow in suit uh, with Mike Tomlin because I have all the respect in the world for him as a coach. And, um, you know, I'm expecting good things. Hopefully they, uh, you know, he comes out and produces. It'll be pretty, 
it would be pretty disappointing if um you know things fell apart there in Pittsburgh for Mitch but uh you know I'm excited and uh I think Deontay Johnson stays around the same kind of stratosphere that he was you know last year for me um I'm comfortable as a wide receiver one you know and if you and you're probably going to be able to draft him as your wide receiver too and that's I think huge that's what I did a lot last year and it worked out one of the most consistent if not the most consistent wide receiver for fantasy purposes last year so yeah I totally agree that's kind of what I was saying earlier I mean the quarterback play is a little bit elevated I would believe with you know, with present Mitch over who we had with Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> and um, Deontay Johnson, uh, his his ceiling is, we haven't even been close to seeing it yet. Uh, let's move on to the AFC South, the Houston Texans, re-signing running back Royce Freeman. If you're wondering why the Ravens weren't listed there, it's because they haven't made a single fantasy relevant uh, free agent signing yet. They almost got Sidarius. Almost. That's not fantasy relevant, though. No, they, but... They've, made, they've actually made a couple of really good signings on the defensive side, which is nothing, sure. nothing fantasy relevant. Yeah, yep. Uh, AFC South, Houston Texans, running back Royce Freeman re-signing on a one-year contract, and running back Dyer Ongubawale. There we go. <laughs> Dare. Dare. Uh, signing a two-year, $3.3 million deal. So, there you have it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot changing in the fantasy realm for the Houston Texans. Davis Mills still their guy. They're going to go move forward with him, who I think showed some promise for a rookie quarterback thrown into that situation. All the Deshaun Watson shadow and really a, not a good team around him. Um, I think there's some promise there for old long neck Davis Mills, but, um, <laughs> you know, for fantasy purposes for next year, you know, you're not you're not buying into this offense. At least you shouldn't. Nobody but Brandon Cooks. Right. Which there's been heavy rumors all offseason that they're willing to trade him. So you gotta you gotta monitor this offseason and see if he even ends up remaining on the team. Uh Indianapolis Colts. Made a big splash there at quarterback. Everyone was kind of waiting to see what would happen. They were in the Deshaun Watson rumors. They were, you know, floating around. Maybe Jimmy G. Yeah, all these guys that were available. But they landed quarterback Matt Ryan. Acquired him in a trade with the Atlanta Falcons after Watson chose the Browns um, in exchange for a third-round pick, which... And I think the Falcons now have to pay like a $40.5 million dead cap um, hit next year, which I think is the largest ever uh, because they got rid of Matt Ryan. Uh, but Matt Ryan wanted to go to a team that you know had the ability to go all the way. He's a former MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's you know a franchise guy, smart. You know, he's never been the most athletically gifted, obviously, but he can play the position, and it's definitely an upgrade from Carson Wentz. And I would say an upgrade from Phillip Rivers of the previous year as well. Oh, yeah, definitely upgrades. And as far as being unathletic, 
I'll be honest, this guy has one, like one of the worst pocket presences in the NFL. <laughs> like when the pocket collapses, Matt he Ryan. He holds on to it and, you know, he tries to make plays. Yeah, he does. He tries. He tries <laughs> to make plays. I have no idea what goes through his mind when the pocket collapses, but it gets scary for him. I get scared for him when the pocket collapses. But with him being on the Colts now, it. I'm really, um, I've been battling within myself with whether Michael Pittman's a wide receiver one. And with Matt Ryan now being on the Colts, I think it does elevate him to being a wide receiver one because of his ability to go up and grab the ball. Yeah. Which, if you go back to Matt Ryan playing with Julio Jones, someone who goes up and grabs the ball. And if you really want to go back, Roddy White goes up, grabs the ball. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, it might play together with their skill sets. For sure. I, I totally see your point. I, I don't think I would go as far as to say Pittman is in the same realm of uh, Julio Jones because um, he's kind of by himself in terms of <laughs> physical capabilities. But same with Roddy White. I mean, Roddy White was a stud. But I do have faith in Pittman, and I think this is a massive, massive upgrade for him. Like, if there's ever a year for him to prove his wide receiver one status, uh, this is the year. All right. It has to be done. And it's huge for Jonathan Taylor as well because now. You know, if Matt Ryan can produce in this passing game, teams are going to have to respect it, right? There's still their focus is going to be shutting down Jonathan Taylor, but they can't completely stack the box, you know, and say, beat us, Carson Wentz. Like, there's going to be a threat now in the passing game, which, you know, it's hard to say Jonathan Taylor could have a better year than he did last year, but I think we could see relatively the same production out of, out of JT, if not more. Also, what a reference, Roddy White. That's a good reference. It's a blast from the past right there. So uh, that one, I was like, dang, I forgot about him. He was pretty good for, you know, like three years. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, it was uh, good. That, I mean, honestly, I think you're you're correct with Michael Pittman being elevated by Matt Ryan. Um, the only concern is that, like, there's nobody else to throw to on this offense right now. What, dude? Moali Cox. The big right. man. We have not seen Jack from O'Alley Cox. But obviously they have some faith. They re-signed him on a three-year deal, $18 million. Yeah, but, I mean, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, like what has he shown besides being, you know, a red zone threat yeah. every other game? The only the, – I guess yeah, the good thing you have is that Jack Doyle retired, so you don't have to worry about him anymore. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I think Indy is – Prime to pick up another free agent wide receiver, uh, and I would thought right now. I know we're I know we're hitting you know guys later, but Julio Jones re- reunite with Matt Ryan sounds really nice. That does, yeah. It's hard to ignore that, and they have the money too. That's the other thing is they have a ton of money to go sign someone. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they do make any additional moves. They've been kind of hesitant. You know, they have a ton of money and haven't been signing guys. But let's see if they start to make some moves here. I mean, the Colts are doing some typical Colt shit, just waiting it out through free agency, just kind of playing their cards right. And I wouldn't be surprised if they know something and they're waiting on someone like Julio Jones or really maybe someone in the draft because they let Zach Pascal go. Who I mean, there's clips of their GM even saying, like, the guy, like, all he does is catch touchdowns. So obviously they liked him. They let him go, and they have not tried to replace him yet. So it seems like... A good guess would be they're going to try to replace him either through free agency or the draft, and that'd be either, I would assume, Julio Jones. I doubt Will Fuller. He doesn't seem like someone who fits in like the Colts, um, the Colts uh, culture, I guess you could say. So, I mean, either that or the draft. 
Yeah. Uh, moving on, the Jacksonville Jaguars have been making some interesting signings, throwing money at the wall, or should I say at mediocre players, um, but either way, they're throwing money around. Maybe they'd rather have the wall. <laughs> <laughs> they signed wide receiver Zay Jones to a three-year, $24 million contract that has a max value of $30 million. They also signed wide receiver Christian Kirk to a four-year, $72 million contract that includes $37 million guaranteed and has a max value of $84 million. Uh, and last and least, they signed tight end Evan Ingram to a one-year deal, a prove-it deal. Obviously, okay, I'll just start here with Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence was thrown into arguably – like a similar situation as like almost a worse situation than Davis Mills in Houston. Like it was terrible the way that the entire franchise was run and the coaching staff um, from top to bottom, it was absolutely terrible. Did you guys hear the new stories that came out about Urban Meyer this week? Yes. He didn't know who Aaron Donald was. He had to ask somebody, he goes, who's that 99 on the Rams? Like, only arguably the best player in the NFL. So, that's good. And then, also, apparently, in practice at one point, they had John Brown in, in the offseason. And they him and Trevor Lawrence were on an opposite page on, on a route. So, they were running it after practice. Urban Meyer went to Trevor Lawrence and said, said you know, these Southern guys, they just don't have, have the brain for it, basically. Like, it was the... Wild. Yeah, he basically was, you know, being racist. Not just so He specifically meant, like... Southern black guys right. didn't have the IQ to be able to pull, you know run a route. It's oh boy, it only gets worse. I I can't believe like Urban Meyer was like such a such like a respected coaching figure, and this one season in the NFL has ruined his entire legacy. Yeah, uh, his first name is Urban. How do you expect to know about anything rural? <laughs> <laughs> okay, he don't know about nothing rural. Okay, he's Urban. City boy. I know Trevor Lawrence didn't have a great year last year, but I still believe in his potential. I I still think he can be a franchise quarterback in this league. Um, but I'm not totally sold on the weapons that they've signed here. Um, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram. These are guys that haven't done a whole lot. Christian Kirk a little bit in Arizona, I guess, but you know, I'm not 100% sold on these weapons, and I kind of feel sorry for Trevor Lawrence and this offense. I mean, hopefully they are improved with, you know, Doug Peterson um, now running the show. I think there will be improvement there, but it's going to be another year or two before we see real fantasy relevance, I think, out of, out of Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but I think the potential is still there for dynasty purposes. Yeah, there's definitely potential for Trevor Lawrence. With Evan Ingram being signed, I just want to say rest in peace to Dan Arnold's promise <laughs> that he had in the fantasy game. That was Urban's guy, man. I um, mean, he was just sicky 2.0 to me. Dan Arnold was that dude. Definitely a good receiving tight end. Yeah, out of these three guys, it, it's not that very exciting. I, I said it before. Zay Jones, he was on the Raiders the last few years. I've watched every single Raiders snap the last few years. This is someone who's like flirting with practice squad, barely started. He started starting because of the Henry Ruggs situation. 
And even with him getting that starting opportunity, he never really made it, like, um, took advantage of it. So I think Zay Jones, this three-year, $24 million contract, I, w- I wouldn't even look twice at Zay Jones. Christian Kirk is kind of interesting to see, like, where they go with the offense. But Zay Jones... But how uh, high do you how high do you think Christian Kirk's ADP is going to go because he signed the big deal and he's kind of the only guy there now? <laughs> like I I know they still have um uh thirty two year old uh, Marvin Jones yeah uh, but he's thirty two right and you know he's getting up there didn't have a great year last year obviously <sighs> it's hard for me to you know, take a shot on any of these guys. I think Christian Kirk's ADP is going to be too high. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, honestly, the one guy that <laughs> intrigues me, I know he was intriguing for us last year, is LaVisca Chenault. Um, you, I mean, realistically, with this offense now, it has four pass catchers that are like, you don't have a stud, but you've got some intriguing guys and guys that have shown to be, you know, somewhat productive in the NFL. Marvin Jones, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and then LaVisca. LaVisca in... An offense ran by Doug Peterson, though, is is interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, don't know what it will nicely, you know, go to. Don't know, but I mean, Lavisca feels like a Doug Peterson guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Just like a a, a football player, like yeah. And he's gonna realize that he, like he's a he's a playmaker, and he's gonna find ways to give him the ball and let him just do his thing. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so because I had high hopes for Lavisca last year, and obviously that didn't work out. Uh, but they didn't use them. So, I mean, we'll see how that all shapes up and obviously be keeping an eye on it throughout training camp and, you know, see how this kind of offense develops. But there's potential here, but I, I wouldn't get too crazy about, you know, reaching for any of these guys, you know, as of right now. Uh, Moving on to the Tennessee Titans, the running back. Dontrell Hilliard re-signed with the Titans. They re-signed him. Uh, they also picked up wide receiver Robert Woods, Bobby Trees. They acquired him in a trade with the Rams for a 2023 six-round pick. Interesting. Uh, and they signed tight end Austin Hooper to a one-year, $6 million deal. So, obviously, Robert Woods is the guy to talk about here. Coming off of the ACL... Um, he is, he's older. I can't remember his age right now. 30, maybe 31. Um, 29. oh, 29. Okay. Um, with nine years of experience though, that boy came in young. Yeah. And you know, he's done great things. He was doing great things for the Rams last year before he got hurt. Obviously they've made some changes, which we'll get to, um, in the next episode. But, um, do you guys have faith that Robert Woods coming off the ACL can fill in as a legitimate wide receiver two with the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill throwing him the ball? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Um, Robert Woods should be good to go for the beginning of the season. He, you know, towards ACL uh, mid year, so he should be able to come back in time for for the beginning of the season. And honestly, I think he's a better fit than Julio Jones would be for this offense last year. It's hard for guys the stature of Julio Jones to go anywhere and not be a number one guy like yeah. the entire year. It's a hard mindset to change. Where Robert Woods has been a you know, a number two receiver his entire career. Right. You know, uh, and a good one at that. So he's gonna fit in, I think, you know, more snugly next to AJ Brown in this offense. 
Yeah, it's, it just comes down to can Tannehill produce, right? Like that's the big question mark for me. I have faith in A.J. Brown. I have faith in Robert Woods even coming off of the ACL. But I don't know, man. I had some high hopes for Tannehill last year as kind of a sleeper quarterback, and he still finished in the top 13 or top 12. Uh, but even then, it was disappointing overall. If you watch the offensive film, it's not great from Tannehill. Yeah, but they also had really no threat in the run game once Derrick Henry went down. So if Derrick Henry's healthy, yeah, I think it's a different story for Ryan Tannehill. And I completely agree with what Irby was saying that um, Robert Wood just seems like a better fit as a second receiver in this offense because it's pretty. It's been pretty obvious that AJ Brown's wide receiver one, even with Julio Jones there. Right, he's a stud. Yeah, yeah. So Robert Woods is probably going to fit in really nicely. That's what that's what I expect to happen. And then with the addition of Austin Hooper, I mean, last year they're throwing the ball to Anthony Ferrixer. So it's definitely an upgrade. Who? Yeah, exactly right. Who? It's definitely an upgrade, and that's just another um, another distraction on the field, really. So it, it, the offense should open up for him with the addition of Austin Hooper and with Derrick Henry hopefully being healthy all year. Please, for the love of God, please healthy all year. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to have some other guys make some plays there, right? I mean, obviously the entire offense ran through um, Derrick Henry, and eventually it caught up. Um, which we talked about a little bit going into last year. Could he sustain the workload? And then the workload got even bigger, and then he got hurt. So it'll be interesting to see how they scheme their offense going forward. Obviously, they want to make sure Derrick Henry stays healthy. And I think Robert Woods will be a good addition to give them some more weapons and hopefully can stay healthy himself because Julio Jones was in and out all year, right? Basically wasn't available for most of the year. Uh, moving on to the AFC West, the Denver Broncos. We'll start here. Tyler, you might want to cover your ears. <laughs> Wait, I'm wearing headphones. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I want to mute your headphones. No, uh, quarterback Russell Wilson acquired in a trade with the Seattle Seahawks along with a fourth-round pick. Uh, for two first rounds, two second rounds, and a fifth rounder, and quarterback True Lock, tight end Noah Fant, and defensive tackle Shelby Harris. So massive, massive blockbuster trade here for the Denver Broncos. We've seen this entire division ramping up and really gearing up uh, for this season. It's arguably now the best division in football. I don't think it's even arguably. Yeah, probably not. With I mean, they put together a fucking arms race in the <laughs> AFC West. Yeah. It's crazy what's happening out there. So let's talk about Russell Wilson and Denver and the passing game and this offense. How do we feel Russell Wilson finishes next year? Is he a top five quarterback? Top four? And damn, we're setting the standard pretty high. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. The hype is there. That's what the hype is, though, right? I mean, and that's how he's going to be drafted with all these weapons and a good defense. I think so. I mean, the fantasy world has said for the last two years now, the Broncos are primed for a breakout season. It's just a matter of who's that quarterback, you know, whether it was Teddy Two Fingers or Drew Locke. What are you calling Teddy Two Gloves? I mean, Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy two, yeah. gloves two Gloves, Two Fingers. Wait, I thought it was Theodore Water Crossing. <laughs> That's what I like to call him, Theodore Water Crossing. That's his uh, 
his government name. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's been the expectation if a good quarterback comes on the Broncos, this, awesome, this offense is going to explode. It finally happened. So I think all the hype is going to be there. And if Russell Wilson's not flirting with a top five quarterback um, production, I'll be disappointed. Just from knowing what he's done on the Seahawks for so long on a team that's um, mostly ro- run oriented with, in a way, you could say lackluster receivers, maybe one, maybe two star receivers at any given time. Now he's got two. He's got a great running back. Um, if he's not top five, I'll be disappointed. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I think that's where the expectation is, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be with the amount of weapons he has. So he's finished as a top five quarterback four times in his career. That's with Seattle, you know, and their run dominance. And up until last season, when, you know, the injury plague season, he's been a top 10 quarterback every year of his career, except for his rookie year when he was a running back or running back quarterback 11. So, I mean, he's always been a starting quarterback in this league, fantasy wise. Um, And the only reason that I think he might fall out of the top five is because like the top end of the quarterback for fantasy is really high right now. Yeah, it is. I mean, you got a lot of guys vying for that, that those top five positions and he's certainly one of them. Um, that'd be the only thing I could say why he wouldn't finish top five, but Honestly, it's one of those things this year like with quarterbacks. I could see the top seven or eight guys all finishing higher than we've seen in years in terms of like the amount of points scored. So you are probably happy regardless of who you have. Yeah, the, the position is improving overall across the league. We're seeing young guys come in and, and start right away and, and be efficient, which wasn't always the case you know, in the NFL for many, many years, right? Um, you always wanted to bring in your rookie and allow him to sit for a year or two or three before you actually gave him the the reins, but you're seeing a lot of guys come into the league at quarterback that, you know, just growing up in the expectations are a lot higher, right? And there's so many more resources now for these guys to train all year and and really college offenses are kind of shaping NFL offenses because of these quarterbacks and they're seeing what they can do in the passing game. And so they're coming in a lot more prepared. Um, but getting back to Russell and this offense, I kind of like Tim Patrick a lot as, as a value wide receiver um, in this offense. I know Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, they're both studs and they're going to be highly involved, but I could see Tim Patrick having a really good year as the wide receiver there, wide receiver three, um, you know, that defenses just won't be able to pay enough attention to with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. So with where you're you're going to be able to draft Tim Patrick, he's a guy that I'm targeting for sure in redraft next year. He's a tall, lengthy receiver, and, you know, Russ likes the moon balls. So I could see, I could see some significant – I could see him significantly outproducing his ADP next year. So slightly random here, I, I just saw this like when I was looking through the top ten for Russell Wilson's, you know, his leaderboard all year or over the course of his career. Do you guys know that he finished as QB one in two thousand seventeen? By a lot, by like almost fifty points. Did he? Yeah, over Cam Newton, like by a lot. That's for some reason I don't remember that. I'm a little confused now, but <laughs> all right. <laughs> your fun fact there. Just by glancing at your screen, it blows my mind that Carson Wentz is averaging more points per game in 2017. That was his um, MVP caliber year. 
Right. Yeah, man, it's crazy how time flies. And <laughs> my memory is horrible. Who he was under, Doug Peterson. Uh, moving on here, though, to the Kansas City Chiefs. They acquired uh, wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster to a one-year deal with a max value of $10.75 million with incentives. How are we feeling about Juju in this offense? Uh, I think it's the perfect spot for him to kind of resurrect his career. This is like the definition of a prove-it deal. Because only three million of this deal is guaranteed. The other seven point seven five million is fully incentive based, so he has a lot to prove. But I mean, he, this gives them a receiver that they don't have on the Chiefs. Right. Everybody else they have outside of Tyreek, the other, everyone is like they're they're speed guys, right? They're down the field threats, or give them a little you know wide receiver screen pass and see what they can do. Right. So he's another guy now that is very good at finding the the hole in the zone. And so you can have now him and Travis Kelsey kind of working the middle of the field together. And so I think he has a really good chance to actually be fancy relevant this year. Um, I think, I honestly, I would say that I bet you Juju is a flex type of player this year. Yeah, and the, the one thing I'll say is the best years that we saw out of Juju was when he wasn't the guy, right? He wasn't counted on to be the number one receiver. Antonio Brown was there. He was just a part of the offense and someone that they could scheme in and defenses didn't, you know, they couldn't focus on Juju and that's where he really uh, made his stamp. And and um, so obviously being on this offense, being the third guy behind Tyreek and, and Kelsey gives him that opportunity again, which I really like with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's, He's going to have some value this year. How much? Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but I think he's going to be a guy that you could pick up as a solid flex option and probably utilize throughout the year. My gut feeling tells me he's going to be like someone we'll discuss in our waiver wire episodes that we do every Monday night, upload on Tuesday mornings through the season. Like It's not someone you're going to roster in my mind. Someone that you'd be picking up to stream. The, the Chiefs themselves, after a Hill, Kelsey, it, it's just such a toss-up as far as like who the third guy is going to be. They've never had a good third guy, and it's so inconsistent. I see where you guys are coming from with him like possibly re-emerging and not being like the, the top priority, but I have no high hopes for Juju Smith-Schuster unless they somehow reformat their offense and target him a bunch, which traditionally they don't really do past Hill and Kelsey with their receivers. Yeah. But can you argue that the reason that's the case is because they haven't had anyone like all that great as their third guy. I mean, they've had, you know, Michael Hardman is the closest thing to being good, but he's too much of like a junior sized version of Tyreek Hill in terms of what he can do. Yeah. He's a one trick pony. And then you have, you know, Demarcus Robinson's there. You've had uh, Byron Pringle. All these guys are just speedsters, and now you have a guy who can actually work the middle of the field. So, And I think they released Pringle, pretty sure. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah, because I think he signed in like New England or something. No, we already went over them. Yeah, Somewhere in the NFC. I, I don't know if he's signed at all, but I, I know that he's not on the Chiefs anymore. Yeah, Pringle was released, and Demarcus Robinson ended up signing with the Raiders, so he's not on the Chiefs anymore. But, I mean, Demarcus Robinson was on the Chiefs for six years as technically flirting with the third option. 
and he's never really done anything. I'm just saying the Chiefs historically their their third receiving option is borderline useless. It's so hard to predict. Yeah, I mean you get those games with Miko Hardman where he gets 22 points and then he just doesn't doesn't do anything for five six weeks. Yeah, you know Juju Smith probably does have a better skill set than him, but d- just traditionally their third receiver just tends to eat shit and just doesn't do anything fantasy wise. Yeah, I I could totally see where you're coming uh, from. I think this offense realizes that they have to change a little bit um, to continue to get over the hump, and I think that's why they brought in Juju. You know, prove it to us, um, but we're going to get you involved and give you the chance to prove it. So, you know, I like him as a deep deep pickup, and hopefully he can, you know, find a role within the offense that is actually fantasy relevant. Uh, moving on in this crazy, crazy division, the Las Vegas Raiders signing running back Brandon Bolden. Uh, and I mean, okay, Brandon Bolden, is there any relevance there? Josh Jacobs is still the guy, right? Yeah, and they still they also have uh, uh, what the hell is Kenyon? Yeah, Kenyon Drake. So no, I, there's no relevance there. I think the big thing for this offense is they're realizing they have to keep up, right? Um, They're going to have to throw the ball within this division, and they're going to have to do it well. And they signed one of my personal favorite or acquired one of my favorite players, uh, wide receiver Devontae Adams. That hurts to say still. Uh, They acquired him in a trade with the Green Bay Packers in exchange for a 2022 first-round pick and a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, Adams is expected to sign a new contract with the Raiders worth $141.25 million over five years with an average of $28.25 million per year. And it was reported that the Packers actually offered him similar or the same or even more. I'm not sure on that exactly, but I know it was either the same or more. And he chose the Raiders. He chose Derek Carr, his college running mates, over the two-time MVP. Yeah, uh, I'll pass it to you guys. I don't have any very many nice things to say. <laughs> Devontae Adams is still going to finish in the top three receivers. I think that's undeniable. And that's pretty much the fantasy implication for that. <laughs> like, okay, let me ask you. Go ahead. Oh, I got a lot to say about this. Okay, well, I was just going to ask you guys real quick. Like, before this happened, right, it was Cooper Cup, Adams, 1-2, right, for fantasy. In terms of, you know, a fantasy draft, you're either taking Cooper, probably Cooper, 1, and then Adams, wide receiver two. Now that he's in Oakland, or yeah, Las Vegas, how far down does he fall? Like, would you take, would you take Cooper Cup over him? I don't think anything changes. I think they're still your top two receivers. Really? So you wouldn't take Justin Jefferson over him? No. You wouldn't take. I'm sorry. Is, is Kirk Cousins better than? I think they're. Better than Derek Carr? Uh, relatively the same. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't see a huge drop off. I don't know. Um, I mean, I've said it the last couple episodes. I expect big things from this Raiders offense, even with, you know, just from getting Josh McDaniels there. 
adding in, you know, arguably the best receiver in the NFL just just makes it even better. Like I, I just I think proves my point, and we'll see. You know, we'll we'll show receipts at the end of the season, but I think that this is going to be huge for this offense. I don't doubt Devontae Adams' ability at all. I'm just saying there is a drop off from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr. Well, yeah, and no it's one. A I mean, no significant drop off. Yeah, I mean that you can say that about almost any quarterback in the NFL from Aaron Rodgers, right? Um, but I, I no, I'm not worried. Not not with this offense. Not with with Derek Carr. Who? Okay, he's going. You know, he's he's getting back with Derek Carr, who was his quarterback at Fresno State for two years. Do you one of the stats they had those two years? Oh, they yeah, they dominated. Don't worry, I got them here. <laughs> <laughs> so over two seasons that they played together, 233 receptions, three thousand thirteen and thirty one yards, and thirty eight touchdowns in two seasons. That's in college, which I know often is gonna be more prolific. But you also have to keep in mind they only play thirteen or fourteen games, not seventeen. Right. So like that production is insane, and you're going into a an offensive minded coach who has shown to be a very prolific offensive minded coach. This is going to be great for him. I don't see this being a bad thing at all. I think it's going to be a top two receiving finish for Devontae Adams as it, you know, like it has been for what, like four years now or something like that. I, you know, I, I agree with you. Definitely going to top, you know, finish in the top uh, realm there for, for wide receivers. It just, it brings, I think you have to ask the question of like, would you take, a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase or you know obviously Cooper Cup I think is still the number one guy but I think there's some other guys that come into the mix now um, at that wide receiver two okay so position then I'll you know ask you the same question who are you taking above him like honestly who like if you were drafting today who would you take above Adams um I would legitimately consider Justin Jefferson I don't want you considering you're making the pick right now <laughs> It's ah oh man, it's tough because I love Devonte Adams and I know how good of a receiver he is. I'm just worried that, like the connection that him and Aaron Rodgers had was incredible. And Aaron Rodgers, not saying Derek Carr won't target the crap out of Devonte Adams, but Aaron Rodgers threw Devonte Adams the ball like almost every time he dropped back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, will that be the same in Las Vegas? I'm not 100% sold on that. Um, so, you know, I think there will be a transition where they have to figure out their chemistry, even though they did play in college, but it's been a many, it's been many years since then. Um, so I don't know. For me, it just, it, it muddies things up a little bit. Like I would consider Jamar Chase. I would consider Justin Jefferson. Um, outside of that, I'm trying to think of who else, you know, I, I still wouldn't take like an AJ Brown over Devontae. Um, you know, I, I trying to think of guys off the top of my head, but I don't know. That's where I'm at. Trey, are you, he's your number one receiver overall. No question about it. No, just like you guys said, or at least what Irby said, he's still the same to me. Like hands down, at least top three, no matter what. Okay. Uh, take care of my boy. Take care of my boy. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers re-signed wide receiver Mike Williams on a three-year, $60 million deal. That includes $40 million fully guaranteed 
over the first two years. Um, and they signed tight end Gerald Everett to a two-year, $12 million deal with a max value of $13.5 million. So, Mike Williams, um, again, he'll be the wide receiver two, which I think is a good spot for him. Um, but obviously there was a whole lot of inconsistency last year from Mike Williams. Do we think that changes at all going into this next year? Why? Because he makes more money? No, of course not. I mean, he's, I'm glad he stayed in in LA. I think that's the the best place for him. Um, they, I think they overpaid him. I mean, they're paying $20 million a year for, you know, uh, I mean, he's a top number two guy. Like he's up there when it comes to number two receivers, but still, uh, I mean, fancy wise, it's really inconsistent. We've said this all, like all of last year, specifically, especially when he was on my team. Like it was just really hard to to trust him week in and week out. Um, right. You know, in the old Denny Green fashion, like he is who we thought he was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's this guy who's going to absolutely boom. Um. You know, half the season. And the other half, he's going to completely bomb and yeah. kill you. And you have to try to pick and choose which times he's, you know, going to win you a game, which times he's going to lose you a game. Yeah, um, I, f- I feel kind of the same. Um, you know, do you feel comfortable drafting Mike Williams as like your wide receiver two? Or does he have to be a wide receiver three for you to pick him up? I think you're going to see his ADP be really strong this year. It's going to go up by a lot. I got him pretty late in the draft last year. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I think his ADP is going to kind of skyrocket this year, and that's going to mean that he's going to hurt people because he's going to be drafted as, like, you know, a borderline number one receiver probably. Yeah. Um, Borderline. I bet you he goes in the top 15 receivers taken, and that's too rich for my blood. Yeah, for sure. That's that's playing with fire, I think. Um. It is interesting to see them pick up Gerald Everett. Uh, you know, at times we saw the Chargers using like four different tight ends throughout games last year. So obviously they were looking for someone to step up and be the guy at that position, and no one ever really did. Um, it was really spread out throughout their tight end uh, group. But uh, Gerald Everett has shown some promise. He showed some promise in Seattle with Russ. Um, made some plays there, was never super consistent, but, um, you know, they, they brought him on for two years, um, with a decent contract. So it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, focus more on, on a a singular tight end rather than spreading the ball out around there. But I don't think you can place a bet on Gerald Everett being the guy, um, at tight end for them next year. I mean, it's either him or Jared Cook. Right. So, I, but there was still Parham there. There was another guy that they were using. I can't even remember his name. Um. So it's like, are they going to do that same kind of four tight end, you know, everyone's getting playing time, or is it going to be the Cook and Everett show? But like you said, Jared Cook probably, you know, going to get most of the play. Yeah, uh, I'm not touching the tight ends on this team. Um, Jared Cook is still there, and Parham is still there. The other guy who we can't remember is not on the team. Those are the three guys, tight ends they have. But, like, those are basically three guys that are all capable of, like, 
being borderline starting tight ends, but when they're all three going to basically split playing time, you can't trust any of them. Correct, Amundo. Um, that'll do it for the AFC divisions. Um, we will discuss all the NFC transactions next week um, on that show. So keep an eye out for that. Um, there's still some notable fantasy free agents out there. Uh, we'll run through the list here. Odell Beckham Jr., Rob Gronkowski. you got to imagine he goes back to Tampa, right? Uh, Jarvis Landry, Melvin Gordon, Julio Jones, Will Fuller, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Andy Dalton, and Ronald Jones are all still available and free agents. Any of these guys you like? Any places you want to see them go? Any thoughts? If Gronk goes back to the Bucks with Brady, he's top five tight end every single week that he starts. Hopefully he stays healthy. If he stays healthy all season, he's a top three tight end. It's just uh, someone you might be able to snag like mid-late rounds once you fill your team out and you want to take a risk if he does sign with the Bucks. Gronk is a great way to go. For sure. Yeah, obviously, I mean, with him, it's definitely like how long he can stay healthy is the biggest thing with him, as it has been for the last few years. But when he's on the field, he does produce. You know, it's he's probably Tom's favorite target ever. So, can't deny that. Um, the one guy I want to bring, obviously, I already brought Julio Jones back to Indy. I think that's that's pretty good, pretty good there. Um, but there was a little news that came up while we were recording today, or, you know, tonight. Odell Beckham Jr. is open to a Browns reunion now that they have traded for Deshaun oh Watson. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, of course he is. So, will Cleveland welcome him back with open arms? I don't know. But, you know, that's obviously a little interesting. You pairing him with Amari Cooper, it's a pretty good one-two punch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And if Deshaun's the one actually throwing the ball back there, like, that could be a pretty formidable offense, especially when you add in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the background, or in the backfield, and not, not in the background. But, um, you know, that, those are both you know interesting places. Yeah, someone should let him know that hey, we have kind of a vacancy up there in uh Wisconsin. So, you know, I don't know. Pretty good quarterback too. So anyways, that'll do it for the fantasy free agent acquisitions of the AFC. Again, we're going to be touching on the NFC next week, and of course, if more action happens on the AFC side, we'll we'll touch on those um next week as well so i love this time of year you know there's a ton of fantasy implications that come with all these changes and this so far free agency period has been pretty wild um so we'll see if it continues we'll see if things settle down but like we said there's some notable guys out there uh yet to sign anywhere so um again if you haven't already check us out on twitter at the ff fathers And uh, thank you for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Goodbye.